We are well into the series now called Hydrate or Dihydrate, Jesus the Living Water, based on writings of John, not just John's Gospel, but also passages from 1 John and Revelation, which we will begin getting to next week. But we wanted to uh, deal with one more passage from John's Gospel. And if you look with me at the worship destination up at the top of your order of worship, this morning this really is the, the working theme for the entire uh, service, which is we are invited to abundant life in Christ. We are invited to abundant life in Christ. And the title of this morning's sermon is What the Living Water of Jesus Can Do. What the Living Water of Jesus Can Do. So with that, uh, it's, it's a sermon in three parts, by the way, so I'm up here a little bit early. But, but before we really begin, I'd love for us to enter into what we call here the discipline of silence, where we center in at a quiet moment and uh, have just a moment of meditation prior to uh, the rest of the service itself. So if you would join me and bow your heads and close your eyes, and just in silence, uh, let's prepare ourselves with solemn hearts. be to God. Thank you, Ben. Wanted to do something a little bit out of sync, and I don't know if that caught you off guard. He could have blasted that. I thought, no, we don't want to do that, and you know, we don't, we're not into embolisms or, or anything like that. So, But I asked Ben to do that at a strange moment because it reminds us how audacious and seemingly inappropriate it was for Jesus to shout out what he did at that moment. Now, again, we're talking about John 7, 37, through 39. And our first point is this. The living water of Jesus can splash us awake. And sometimes when you're doing something out of turn, it can do that. What Jesus did was amazingly, seemingly inappropriate. Let's go to verse 37. This is the first verse of our three-verse passage. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Now, you don't really realize how disruptive that is, have you ever been at a graduation or a wedding or a funeral where something really disruptive happens? It's not always comfortable. And imagine somebody just standing up and shouting all of a sudden at one of those kinds of, of moments. Well, that's sort of what Jesus did. Let, let me give you some background, and you're going to have to follow me here. But this is the climactic moment. It says the climax of the festival. This is the festival of the tabernacles. And, and it's, it goes along for about a week, and, and it's a celebration of water because it's coming off of the, the most drought season that the people of Israel always dealt with every year. And so it's a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a festival of thanksgiving for the water that they know is soon to come based on the seasons and everything. So the high point of the whole week is on the last day. And the high priest goes down to the, here we go, the Pool of Siloam again. I've got my pointer. I showed this very slide last week because a lot of us were right here uh, in Israel not long ago. And it's this gate here. 
that uh, the priest would have come out. Now, the temple's up in here, right? That's where the temple is. But you would come out this gate, go down the steps, walk down, and this would be about a half mile or so. Some of our people walked this just a few weeks ago, and they walked all the way down here to the Pool of Siloam. Takes probably about 30 minutes. And the priest is walking down with this golden vessel, and he, and he dips it down into the Pool of Siloam and gets all this water. And as he's going back, the people around him sing and chant Isaiah 12, 3, which says, we draw now from the well of Siloam. Now we draw from the word of God and the well of salvation. Then you get to the most holy moment. They get back up into the temple. And this is the high moment of the whole festival. Quietly and silently, just like our discipline of silence, you know, he'll take that water and pour it over the altar, and it's a reminder of when Moses struck the rock and water gushed and the people's thirst was quenched. And it's, it's the most wonderful moment, most sacred, most holy moment of the entire festival. And that's where Jesus stands. Let's look at the verse again. Go to the next one. On the last day, this is when he's pouring it over the altar. Everybody's hushed. Jesus stood, which rabbis didn't do. Rabbis always taught in the synagogue sitting down. They thought that showed more dignity and respect for God, and it was just kind of a habit. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. I don't think we appreciate how audacious that was of him to do it at that moment in this annual festival that the people celebrated in this high, holy moment. But Jesus isn't going to let that moment pass. There's a huge throng of people there, and he's saying, you know what, I can't let this moment pass without telling them where the source of true living water is. And of course, he is that true living water. Which begs the question, are you spiritually quenched right now? Are you spiritually hydrated? I'm convinced that some of us know that we are not. I think some of us don't even think about it and re don't realize that we're spiritually dehydrated we just don't even realize it. I remember the, the summer that Deanna and I met doing mission work out west. We were in Arizona for a few weeks. And it was 103 in the shade, I remember, one day. But you, you don't feel it out there. Those of you who have been there, it doesn't have the humidity like we have here. So it didn't feel like 103. But you had a lot of people from other parts of the country who were at this camp. And they weren't used to it. They were like, oh, I feel fine. And they were dehydrating rapidly. And people were just dropping like flies. And we're having to take them to... Uh, the clinic down the road. You can be dehydrated and not even realize it. You can be spiritually dehydrated and not really know it or give thought to it. So where are you right now? Are you spiritually dehydrated? Well, maybe it's time for you to listen to Jesus' audacious invitation to receive again his living water. Well, the living water of Jesus can splash us awake. The living water of Jesus can also gush through us. Uh, there's, some, there's over 300 types now of uh, 300 varieties of, of bottled water. Anybody ever heard of Evian? Have you ever had Evian water? Okay, it's one of the early ones. And, and, and it's always hyped itself as the true thirst-quenching water. And they even have connected it in their ads with um, uh, the mythical uh, fountain of youth that Ponce de Leon searched for. And, and Evian takes this mythical idea 
to the extreme in certain ways that, that drink our water and you're going to really find your youth. Let, let's just show you what, what we're talking about here. Let's observe the effect of Evian on your body. Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rocking to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. See, I am Wanda Mike, and I'd like to say hello. Live young, live young. That's what it keeps saying uh, throughout. Uh, so the choir, could y'all even see that? I'm sorry. Oh, you're able. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, it takes it a little bit too far. It's saying we're the true fountain of youth. We're really the ones who can satisfy your ultimate thirst. But let me posit this, and I would think most everybody in this room agrees with me, that what we, what humans truly thirst for, you really cannot get in this world. It's really beyond this world. That which can truly satisfy our souls is not even found here, but beyond here, but thanks be to God, <laughs> He comes here. I think C.S. Lewis puts it so well in Mere Christianity. He says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. And then you go to the next slide. You see, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> Stephen, where are you going? If I, find my, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. Well, I'll posit again that we know what the real thing is or who the real thing is. Look at what Jesus says in the very next verse, verse 38. This is when he's interrupting that most solemn moment. You know, anybody wants living water, come see me. And then he says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water. Plural. It's always striking to me. He doesn't just say a river of flowing Rivers. We're talking about wave upon wave. It, it connotes endless abundance. Always there for the taking, an endless supply of this living water. It makes me think about the Amazon River. You know, the Amazon River begins as a mere trickle uh, going down from the Andes Mountains as some, some of the snow and ice melts, and it's just these trickles that finally come together in a tributary, and then part of it goes to the Mantero River here, but then it, it joins with other ri rivers along the way. Mantero River is really not a huge river, but it winds up joining with others, and finally it gushes into becoming the Amazon River, then it goes some 3,600 miles, and then it gushes out, just bursts out into the Atlantic Ocean at a power of 1.4 gallons, excuse me, 1.4 million gallons per second. Kind of amazing to think about, 1.4 million gallons per second. And, and it gushes out into the Atlantic with such power 
that the Atlantic has 60 miles worth of fresh water that just is pushed out, 60 miles of it. And finally, it starts to integrate with the salt water. But just amazing when you think about it. Sometimes it get, takes getting some little trickles like that that make you realize, you know, I have been spiritually arid, spiritually dry, and, and, and I just need to get out of my bubble of routine and ritual and, and find some ways to, to step outside my usual system and, and find how I can be hydrated again spiritually. And I think that's one of the great things that we know here because missions is in our DNA. When we go on mission trips or when we do missions just over the mountain or wherever, it's amazing when you get to know folks on site. It's amazing when, when you share what you have, have uh, gleaned together, how you've been blessed together. You know, a bunch of our young people uh, who went to South Africa uh, just a few weeks ago, our high school uh, juniors and seniors, just amazing. Now seniors and going into college, which is amazing. But it, it was cool just to hear about some of their own testimonies because it's almost like a bunch of trickles of testimony, but when you, when you gather them together, it's just one of those rivers of testimony and tribute and witness and really satisfaction of life. So I want to thank Caroline Causey who put together this little video of, of what the youth had to say about how they experienced Jesus, how they saw Jesus during their week of mission work. Uh, we just wanted to thank all of y'all at Brookwood for giving us this opportunity to come here the past two weeks. We had such an amazing time. Uh, we had over 300 children come and sing and dance and learn about Jesus with us. And we saw God working in so many ways, and we just wanted to share a few of them with you. Uh, this past week, I saw God and Lysandra. She was one of our LSCs that helped us with the kids and worked for Living Hope. And she shared her testimony on Thursday and shared about how she overcame drug addiction and is now working uh, with Living Hope to minister to children. This week, I saw Jesus in a little girl named Ella. Um, she was so inclusive, and instead of just loving on us, she loved on us as well as others, and I just really love to see that. This past week, we really felt the Lord's presence by seeing his beautiful creations, such as sunrises, sunsets, shooting stars, gorgeous mountains, and just the beautiful ocean and beaches, and it was just a great experience. I saw God this week through the uh, music that the children were able to share and um, just the language that it spoke and uh, no matter what their background was or how much money they had or what they had they were all able to come together and worship the Lord through this music and it was kind of able to heal them a little bit it was an awesome way for them to um, to talk to the Lord and to be able to have a cool relationship with them so it was just really cool to see you know no matter what language they spoke or whatever they were just really able to connect through this music. And um, so that's how I saw Jesus this week. I saw Jesus um, through these three girls named Hope, Joy, and Faith. And they were nieces of one of our LSEs. But it was really cool just getting to know them throughout the week and love on them. I saw God in one of our LSEs, Stephen, and just how friendly and helpful he was. I saw Jesus this week in Latasha. She's very spunky and captivates I saw Jesus and a kid named Eli from Capricorn um, because he was very generous to all of the other kids and was very inclusive to anyone who wanted to play soccer. We saw Jesus and the students and how they loved so well. They loved the life school educators, they loved the students, they loved us, all the people, our drivers. Um, they didn't need any 
direction. They just did what they did best and um, just showed love. And we just appreciated being able to spend that time with them and everything that they represent. We also saw Jesus in the way that they took care of us, loved us, and um, how they wanted to, sh how they showed such interest in what we would be doing in Cape Town and wanting to see our home and see things. And, and when we got to go and see our home on the last day, um, and they got to come and be a part of that and walk through our house, um, it was just, it was really humbling to have them pray for us and watch out over us by just you know, telling us things that we could do there and the way things could look. It was just, it was really, it was really cool. And it was, it was um, very impactful as um, an extension of Brookwood to have them pray over us and to um, almost as a commissioning in our home. Um, and we, it brought great peace um, and joy over us about our move there and the opportunity to go and live there. So um, we saw Jesus in them and um, that's really kind of, stuck with me um, as we have come home because that was kind of the last thing that we did there. Um, so it kind of got us even more excited about our return and, and moving there. Thank you, Brookwood, so much for entrusting your students with us this week. You know, I had the best time. We may not be the best chaperones, but nobody could love like your students like this. Your kids brought the love of Jesus that they learned here at Brookwood, and they piggyback rides and held hands and hugs and danced and sang with the cutest kids in the most beautiful country and we are so glad we got to be here. In a month the Kimes will be moving into this house and we hope you will join us in praying for them as they embark on the next journey in their lives. I could not put it better than that song. Is there a way we can just go back to the words Stephen and just look at those for a minute? I know I'm doing something out of the ordinary. Are you thirsty? Are you empty? Come and drink these living waters. Tired and broken, peace unspoken, rest beside these living waters. Christ is calling, find refreshing at the cross of living waters. Lay your life down, all the old gone. Rise up in these living waters. There's a river that flows with mercy and love, bringing joy to the city of our God. There our hope is secure, do not fear anymore, praise the Lord of living waters. Spirit moving, mercy washing, healing in these living waters. Lead your children to the shoreline, life is in these living waters. There's a river that flows with mercy and love, bringing joy to the city of our God. There our hope is secure, do not fear anymore, praise the Lord of living waters. Are you thirsty? Are you empty? Come and drink these living waters. Love, forgiveness, vast and boundless. Christ, he is our living waters. There's a river that flows with mercy and love, bringing joy to the city of our God. There our hope is secure. Do not fear anymore. Praise the Lord of living waters. Just, wow. Thank you, choir and band. Uh, captured it just beautifully. So the living waters of Jesus can splash us awake. The living waters of Jesus can gush through us. And finally, the living water of Jesus can wash us clean. Let's look at the final verse, verse 39. When he said living water, this is John offering commentary here with what Jesus just blurted out. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit 
who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. After Jesus was glorified, after the cross and the resurrection, he poured his Spirit upon all the people at Pentecost, and thirsts were quenched. <laughs> and for no one else, the disciples who, who became fearless bearers, fearless witnesses of his grace, no matter what. What if you and I actually embraced that reality that Jesus is the living water, really the only source of true quenchness of thirst, of soul? That's the spirit of Jesus within you and me flowing through us. How rich would your life be? How rich would your witness be if you really grasp that and drank deeply? You know, if we're not if we're not tapping, if you're not tapping into that living water right now, where do you start? And strangely enough, I would say that you begin, and I think John would say, you would begin at the cross of Jesus. Some of the final words of Jesus. How ironic it was that the source of living water uttered in agonizing pain, I thirst. One of his final words was, I thirst. Here's the one who drank the cup of suffering, of sin, of wrath, and he is just about empty. I mean, he's literally drying up on the cross. How mysterious, how ironic that is, how ominous that is. But that's what it took for you and I to have access to that living water. And thanks be to God, it's been made available to you and me through that cleansing on the cross. I want to close with this, but listen to me, listen to me well on this. John 19. It's only John who offers up this bit of detail of the four gospel writers. Do you remember what a soldier did when he went up to check and see whether or not Jesus was, was dead? Do you remember what he did? Took the spear and did what? Pierced his side. And it says immediately what flowed out? Blood and water and people have tried to um, spiritualize that sensationalize that that's called pericardial effusion i mean it's what happens if you get hit in the side and it punctures your lung and 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 you've been dying on a cross like that water and blood will flow together but i still think it's interesting that john was careful to put that detail in his gospel about the death of jesus on the cross because immediately it transports me to Hebrews chapter 10 and a powerful, powerful word about the blood of Jesus and the living water of Jesus working together to set you and me free. I just want to read it. And if you don't remember anything else that we say, and I want you to remember the words of that song too, by the way, which was just great. But this is Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. And the writer of Hebrews said this, says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, we can have personal relationship with him, direct access to him. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. And then this, I just love it. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. What a great word. Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure 
water. By his blood, we've been washed clean by pure, holy, everlasting life water. That's what the living water of Jesus can do for us. Now, what will you do for him? Let's pray together. Lord, we're about to sing an old hymn that is just so (laughs) wonderful and puts it well again. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of your son Jesus, who washes us clean with that intermingling of of his blood and, and his living water. Such a mystery. And yet, we know what it is to receive that. And yet, oh God, we... We pray for those who have not received it in their own lives, but we pray also for those who have but have forgotten about it and are dehydrating. We ask that we would make ourselves open to being infused with that water that indeed quenches our souls, that living water that brings us again to newness of life and realizing the the pure miracle of life itself. So as we sing this song, O oh God, if, if any of us feel like we need to walk anew with you, may we commit ourselves to that because of the blood that your son Jesus shed. If anyone feels led to make some type of profession of faith or a desire to be baptized uh, or to move their church membership, Lord, we pray that they would feel moved to do that today as well. If they feel led to make it public today. But if nothing else, O oh God, help us to sing. Sing like we mean this and sing asking that the blood of your son Jesus again would wash over us and remind us of what it did for us at one point and continues to do. We pray these things in your name. Amen.